After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
In the land of holy stones Lies the hopes and dreams of many Jews It's the city of Lebron There are people who are living there 
with a courage all their own And they know that we stand behind them But they are not alone The flame must never go out The flame must never die The throne is ours now and forever I'm Israel Chai And while we long for the day When we will return from the corners of the earth Shall heaven's flame must burn hundred shekel coins he knew this was where the physical and spiritual world enjoin every day you're standing strong against dangers that are unknown we realize you're representing us by living in Hebron the flame must never go out never die the throne is ours now and forever I'm Israel Chai. and while we long for the day when we will return from the corners of the earth shall heaven's flame must burn we've seen you through some painful times And others might lie ahead But the soul will last forever Shall heaven's flame will never end J.M. in the A.M. Well, anybody who's looking at the uh, NSN app, you know who inspired me to play that song. A listener, Devorah, writes, Nachum, every Parashat Chai Sarah, I try to memorialize the memory of Shalhevet Pas, a young baby who was killed in Hebron while being walked by her dad. 
Yehi Zichra Brucha. We named our Shalhevet Le'ilu Nishmata. Can you play Shalhevet's Flame on the Chevron CD? Let us know. No more terror and sar. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you, Devorah. There it is. Shalhevet off of the Chevron album, and your daughter Shalhevet must be uh, must be a um, prominent young lady at this point. The murder of baby Shalhevet took place a while ago. And yes, she was the victim of a sniper attack in the holy city of Hebron as she was being walked by her dad. Many of us remember that, unfortunately, way too well. Friday morning broadcast on this November the 2nd, Balfour Day in 2018. Those of you who are not familiar with Balfour Day, I guess these days I could say Google it, but in the old days I would say ask your teacher. Ask your teacher why today, November the 2nd, is an important day in Jewish history for the last over 100 years. 24th day in the month of Maracheshvan, the year 5779, Tafshinai and Tess. You heard Lenny with Shalhevet, Mana said, done by Yoni Z. Ohad, brand new with Lavado. Visechazena was Benny Friedman. Eitan Freilich with Ivdu. And you heard Regesh, of course, with Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas Chaye Sarah. Hello, Chevron. And hello to everybody who traveled to Hebron to be in Israel for Parashat Chaye Sarah. It is a very special Shabbat. Wish we were there, but as you know, the bulk of this week, our attention was in a different city, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Candle lighting here in the New York area, 531. We'll change the clock tomorrow night. Uh, we will again have a seven-hour difference between New York and Israel. Once we change the clock tomorrow night, and we will be on standard time. So remember to change the clock, and remember that next week, Shabbos is going to start much, much earlier. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Kislev Thursday and Friday. Rosh Chodesh Kislev is Thursday and Friday, and I do remind everybody that Tuesday is Election Day. Tuesday is Election Day, an important day to get out and vote, make our voices heard in what has turned out to be a very very important election year. 68 degrees outside with 83% humidity. Winds of southwest at 11 miles an hour. Thunderstorms expected today with a high temperature of 71. Then tonight, rain and a low of 59. Tomorrow for Shabbos, morning clouds, afternoon sun, and a high temperature, 68 degrees. Is that accurate? I think it says 68 there. Maybe 62. <laughs> Somewhere in the 60s. Right now, Yerushalayim is at 71. We're at 68 uh, here in New York City, as we say good morning at JM and the AM. Well, we're back from uh, Pittsburgh, and I thank everybody for the um, really nice comments about the journey, about the trip. And, of course, Rabbi Wasserman and the Butler family and everybody who was so hospitable to us in Pittsburgh, we say a big, big thank you. And uh, we did give the city of Pittsburgh and our community there a very big hug, a virtual hug from all of you, from all of us in this amazing audience, everybody who... Um, has felt the collective pain since Shabbos around the world. And everybody who just wanted to transmit messages of love and unity and solidarity and brotherhood, we were able to do that, thank God. And I'm happy that a lot of our listeners were able to tune in record numbers over the last couple of days because this is an opportunity to just get together, to get together and be together in this unique forum, in this wonderful format, and to, um, again, transmit these messages, these important messages of unity and the spirit of solidarity to our brothers and sisters in Pittsburgh. Uh, the aftermath of this episode is gargantuan. It is so difficult for the people there. You could only imagine. And everybody knows somebody, and so many people know the majority of those who were killed on Shabbos. 
It's a unique community. If any positive came out of the shows there, uh, it was the uniqueness of the Squirrel Hill community in Pittsburgh and how they are together and how they are tolerant and they are friendly. And Rabbi Wasserman said to us before we left yesterday, he was describing to us uh, what happens when newcomers show up. If they dare be that guy or that gal who refuses to say hi to people in the morning, (laughs) they are chided immediately. (laughs) So it is a unique place and a historic Jewish neighborhood and historic uh, community in general for the United States. And, um, you know, so many of us wondered so many things about what had happened over the last few days, including the involvement of the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, in the uh, the funerals and and the memorials. And now it was evident to us. They were, so many of them live in town, and the coach of the team lives 800 yards, as was described to us, from Tree of Life. So, kolakavot to everybody who was able to make it there. Uh, our friend Rabbi Sabag, who, of course, we were with in Paris in the aftermath of the Bataclan terrorist attack and in the aftermath of the Hypercacher terrorist attack. Uh, he was there yesterday, and how I wish I knew that in advance because we were literally there at the same time to have met up with him would have been something, especially after we told the story yesterday on the air of the couple who moved about 18 months ago from Paris to Pittsburgh because of anti-Semitism. And they come to Pittsburgh, and as the uh, the lady of the house, uh, the mother, the wife, is going through this in shul, she turns to Rabbi Wasserman's wife and says, "This is why we moved from Paris." Yeah, this is a this is a scourge worldwide. Unfortunately, it's hit the United States in the worst anti-Semitic episode and massacre in the history of this country. Um. We have a lot to talk about this morning. 45 minutes from now, Chief of Police um, uh, Terrence, um, Terrence Monahan is going to join us in the New York City Police Department. He is the highest-ranking uniformed officer in the entire police department. He is just under the police commissioner. He'll join us coming up at 7.15, no doubt, with some strong messages about safety, security, and I'm sure the pride that he has in his colleagues in Pittsburgh and his own NYPD for this episode and for others. So we'll talk about that coming up. Um, 7.30, we'll talk about the uh, addiction and substance abuse event that's happening Sunday at Congregation Ketter Torah in Teaneck. ETL Foreman is scheduled to join us for a few minutes on that. Malcolm Honline, he'll have the weekly update. We'll speak about uh, Pittsburgh, no doubt, and a lot of other things going on. Weekly update, 7.40 Eastern Time. Malcolm Honline will join us here at JM in the AM. Or by Uden, of course, at 8.15. We will check in with Peter Burkowski regarding the New York City Marathon. And it's Minion dedicated to Pittsburgh this coming Shabbos, this coming Sunday, rather. And tomorrow, a lot of synagogues are asking everybody to follow the initiative that was so brilliantly um, um, uh, initiated this past Sunday after the uh, the massacre. Um, everyone, we encourage everyone to be in shul this Shabbos and be in shul early and with great pride and strength. Let us show resilience. Let us show an appreciation for one of the greatest gifts given to us in the diaspora, and that's the freedom of religion in the United States of America. And there are many, many synagogues that are dedicating their tefillot and their kiddush tomorrow to the victims of Pittsburgh and are getting together after tefillah for for gatherings uh, simply to display and to uh, encourage Jewish unity. So let's have a unified Shabbat, Shabbat Chaye Sarah, which uh, brings so many people together in Hebron, Hebron, Chibur, group, gathering, connection, 
That's what the word means. Um, um, let us use this Shabbat to do just that, to connect and be with each other and stand strong. We're here until 9 a.m. Eastern time, and then our great Friday schedule will take over, and we have plenty to do. I recommend you just keep it right where you've got it here at the JM and the AM and the Nachum Single Network all day long. My thanks again to everybody in Pittsburgh, and thank you to everybody who was tuned in uh, and interacting with us during the show yesterday. My thanks to Yeshivat Noam. On Wednesday, we had the opportunity to broadcast from there. It was a uh, remarkable morning, frankly. Met a lot of amazing people and some great students and parents and faculty members. Rabbi Hagler, of course, uh, gave us an amazing welcome. And um, Yeshivat Noam, Yeshivat Noam, and uh, the Hafter School were the Hafter out in the five towns. Those two schools were the centerpiece of the presentation that Miriam L. Wallach uh, made on our behalf to the uh, Pittsburgh Police Department yesterday. The video's online. Lots of people have seen it already. And um, Miriam described at that point how the students at Hafter, including her own children, and the students at Yeshivat Noam, who we had just seen yesterday, meaning Wednesday morning, had drawn pictures, had sent uh, notes of thanks, had sent posters with messages, all about combating hate and thanking the police department for being there for us and for everybody. And um, it was really heartwarming. It was really amazing. And it was so wonderful that we were able to go directly to Pittsburgh from a great school like Noam and with all the posters and cards and messages in the car from uh, Hafter and Yeshiva at Noam and bring them to Pittsburgh. One of the administrators at um, at Hafter uh, wrote the following to Miriam Wallach as we were driving back late last night from Pittsburgh into the New York area. She writes, a, a parent just came to see me. He went to Pittsburgh to see what he could do and to daven there. While reciting to Hillam at a memorial which was set up, he looked up at a poster displayed in front of him. He couldn't believe it. Not only was it from Hafter, but it was from his daughter's class. He knew he had done the right thing by making time for this. Thank you so much. Yeah, it is amazing the way people come together, <laughs> even in unbelievable coincidences, if you will, like that. And our, our thanks to Joy Hammer for letting uh, Miriam and all of us know about that. And, of course, uh, to Miriam for spearheading the project of uh, getting the schools that were closest to us at that point because of our Noam visit on Wednesday and Miriam's interaction with Hafter on a Tuesday night. Uh, we thank both the schools for really representing uh, all the children in the Yeshiva League from this area in, uh, in conveying those messages to our brothers and sisters in Pittsburgh, to the police department, and to American citizens in general. Friday morning, it's JM in the AM at 24 minutes before 7 o'clock. There's plenty more coming up. I see that our app is extremely active already this morning. Uh, listener Eric says today is Balfour Day. It certainly is. And anybody out there who does not know why November 2nd is important in modern Jewish history, check it out. Uh, Daniela wants to hear Samechim uh, by Yaakov Shweki. See if we can get to that one. And again, I want to thank listener Devorah for checking in. And listener Yoni in Ramat Beit Shemesh says, Mazel tov to the new mayor of Beit Shemesh, Dr. Aliza Block. 
Dr. Aliza Block, Mazal Tov to you. Uh, a mayor who's not facing a runoff. <laughs> uh, Dr. Aliza Block is the new mayor of Beit Shemesh. And uh, we reviewed some of those election results yesterday. We'll discuss, I'm sure it'll come up in our conversation with Malcolm Holmline during the weekly update later on in this show. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Chaye Sarah, regards to the holy city of Hebron. Don't forget to change the clock tomorrow night. That'll get us back to a seven-hour difference between New York and Israel. Speaking of Yaakov Shweki, here he is at JM in the AM.
Shalom Aleichem, Malachi Ashores, Malachi Elyoi, Miyimelech, Malachi Hamlochim, Akodosh Boboruchu, Shalom Aleichem, Malachi Ashores, On this Erev Shabbos, Parshas Chaye Sarah, we say greetings to everybody heading to Hebron. Avram Fried, Rishalom Aleichem. Amechad, done by Ari Goldwag. Miami, Hadyevarechecha, Yaakov Shweki by request with Samechim, and before that with Muzika here at JM in the AMs. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at nachomsegel.com. On the Nachum Segal Network and, of course, the beloved NSN app. We are back from Pittsburgh. Thanking everybody for the comments about the show yesterday. It was a tremendous show of support for our brothers and sisters there in the aftermath of what they're going through and what they went through. Erev Shabbos, 531 candlelighting time. That's on Daylight Savings Time. We change the clock tomorrow so things will get earlier and we'll be back to a seven-hour difference with Israel. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio. 1 p.m. newscast next to Jenny. גליצה לשעה אחת, כאן נועם גולדברג עם מה שקורה עכשיו. ראש הממשלה בנימין נתניהו משתתף הבוקר בפורום קריובה בבולגריה, שם נועד גם עם מנהיגי יוון, סרביה ורומניה. זו הפעם הראשונה שהם הזמינו מנהיג מחוץ לארבע המדינות האלו להשתתף איתם. זה כבוד גדול לישראל. כל אחד מהם הבטיח לי שהם יקדמו שיפור 
בהצבעות שלהם בעניינים שנוגעים לנו גם באיחוד האירופי וגם באו"ם. ומנגד כולם רוצים שנקדם את צינור הגז מלוויתן לאירופה ולבלקנים. שליח גלי צה"ל עם פמליית ראש הממשלה מיכאל האוזר טוב מציין כי בהצהרה המדינית בפסגה התייחס נתניהו לפרשת הרצח של העיתונאי הסעודי ג'מאל חשוקג'י. מה שקרה בשגרירות באיסטנבול זה נורא, אבל חשוב גם לשמור על סעודיה יציבה. צריך למצוא איזון בין הדברים, כך ראש הממשלה. המשטרה בבריטניה החלה לחקור את הטענות לפעילות אנטישמית במפלגת הלייבור. כתבתנו אינה אנטונוב. מהסקוטלנד יארד, מטה משטרת לונדון, נמסר כי נפתחה חקירה פלילית בעקבות האשמות באנטישמיות שהופנו כלפי הלייבור, מפלגת האופוזיציה בממלכה המאוחדת, מאז נכנס לתפקידו יושב ראש המפלגה השנוי במחלוקת ג'רמי קורבין. לפי ההודעה הרשמית, החקירה נפתחה בעקבות מסמך פנימי של הלייבור, שהודלף לידי מפכ"ל המשטרה המקומית. בית משפט השלום בפתח תקווה האריך בארבעה ימים את מעצרה של המטפלת החשודה כי טלטלה תינוק בן שלושה חודשים וגרמה לו לדימום בעיניים מול שבר ביד. האישה בת 57 מנתניה זומנה אתמול לחקירה במשטרה שבסופה נעצרה, התינוק אושפז בבית החולים לניאדו ומצבו יציב. תם מרוץ סקוני בחיפה, כלל הכבישים נפתחו לתנועה. כתבנו קובי מנדל מציין שבשטח הוענק טיפול רפואי ל-67 משתתפי המרוץ, כאשר 17 מתוכם נזקקו לטיפול באוהל הטיפול הנמרץ, שהוקם מבעוד מועד. מצבם של הגבר והנערה אשר פונו לבית החולים רמב"ם בשל מכת חום, מוגדר כעת טוב. כשלושה חודשים לאחר שנסגר נחל ג'ילבון, גלבון, מחשש לעכברת, משרד הבריאות אישר לרשות הטבע והגנים לפתוח את הנחל מחדש לרחצה. כתבנו מאיר מרציאנו מוסיף כי נכון לעכשיו הנחלים יהודי הזכאי, אלעל ופארק הירדן עדיין סגורים לכניסת מטיילים עקב החשש מזיהום מימם. שיא כל הזמנים נרשם הלילה בלוס אנג'לס כשגיוסו 60 מיליון דולרים לרווחת חיילי צה"ל על ידי ה-FIDF. כתבנו הצבאי צחי דבוש. בערב שאירגן חיים סבן השתתפו כ-1200 תומכי צה"ל בארצות הברית, בהם ג'רארד באטלר, אשטון קוצ'ר ופארל וויליאמס. באירוע גויסו 60 מיליון דולר, מעל ל-200 מיליון שקלים. מדובר בשיא כל הזמנים, לאחר שרק בשבוע שעבר, בערב בניו יורק, גייס ארגון FIDF 32 מיליון דולר. הכסף ישמש לרווחת חיילי צה"ל, חיילים בודדים, ולטובת תואר ראשון חינם ללוחמים. תחזית מזג האוויר, הטמפרטורות תהיינה גבוהות מהרגיל לעונה. השירות המטאורולוגי מזהיר מפני שרפות באזורים רבים בארץ, בשל יובש קיצוני ורוחות ערות. אלה החדשות שעורכת ליאם רם אילת. Oh 
With Shlomo Katz, Bowie Vishalom, that's a good one. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in Friday morning on this November the 2nd. It's Balfour Day. If you're not familiar with that day and why it's an important day in modern Jewish history, look it up or ask your teacher. Today is Balfour Day, November the 2nd, an important day for over 
100 years. 24th of Mar Cheshvan, it's Erev Shabbos Parshas Chaye Sarah. Hello to everybody who's heading to Hebron this Shabbos. Candlelighting here at 531. It's going to be a lot earlier next week as we go back to standard time tomorrow and get back to a regular uh, seven-hour difference between us and Israel that happens late tomorrow night. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Kislev will be Thursday and Friday. Rosh Chodesh Kislev will be Thursday and Friday, and we can't emphasize enough how important it is to vote on Election Day. Election Day is this coming Tuesday. Chef Red says on the uh, app, Kabbalat Shabbat in the Ma'ara, we should be there. Of course we should be there, Chef. <laughs> I agree with that. Um, this listener says, usually listening from Queens, listening this Erev Shabbos from Ramat Beit Shemesh sounds the same. All right. Thank you, Ramat Beit Shemesh Allah, for checking in. Listener Nachum says, a wonderful thing, all the things you do to keep it up. I may have asked him. Thank you for that. Got a lot of nice messages from people who are glad that we were able to represent this audience and people around the world in Pittsburgh this week and give a, uh, a message of solidarity, of brotherhood, of unity. Uh, to our brothers and sisters there who are suffering in the aftermath of this uh, massacre that took place this past Shabbos, e- urging everybody, urging everybody to um, show up for Shabbat. That's the hashtag. Show up for Shabbat. Be there for tefillah. Be there early tomorrow. And to those synagogues who, in whatever way, whether it's a kiddish, whether it's a special service, whether it's a special gathering, whatever way you're going to be remembering the victims who died because they were Jews. Um, Yeshikoch, let's keep it at the forefront in the aftermath, especially during the first Shabbat, which will hopefully be a peaceful Shabbat for the entire Jewish world. Uh, Chief Terrence um, Monahan, New York City Police Department's highest-ranking uniformed officer, is going to join us five minutes from now. We'll talk about safety and security. We'll talk about the aftermath of uh, Pittsburgh. And I'm sure he will reassure us in this area that the NYPD and uh, and the police precincts across the country, not just in New York, are certainly prepared and aware that they have a responsibility to protect houses of worship. And we, in turn, will continue to take great advantage of one of the most wonderful things in the United States of America, and that's freedom of religion. So let's make sure to be in shul this Shabbos and do just that. More coming up, the Solomon Brothers at JM in the AM. Shabbat Shalom. 
J.M. and the A.M. Solomon Brothers with Shoshana here on a J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning. It's Erev Shabbos. We're encouraging everybody show up for Shabbat. We're encouraging everybody in the aftermath of last Shabbos' massacre in Pittsburgh. And again, we are just back from Pittsburgh late last night. I want to thank everybody who was tuned in and who felt we uh, represented the the Jewish people worldwide uh, well over uh, those 24 hours. Uh, we tried to convey a spirit of unity, of brotherhood, of solidarity with our brothers and sisters in Pittsburgh, and I'm glad we are able to do that. Uh, we say show up for Shabbat, encouraging everybody to be there. And uh, I spoke with my friend uh, Shalom Eisner earlier in the week, and I said, is there somebody, is there somebody from the New York City Police Department who can jump on the air with us and uh, give us an important message about heading to shul this Shabbos? and give us an important message about how precincts, not just in New York, but across the country, are certainly aware and are certainly going to be doing everything in their power to protect houses of worship so that we can continue to take full advantage of this amazing aspect of the United States of America, which is freedom of religion. And Shulam said to me that uh, Chief Monaghan is certainly somebody who can convey that message, and Ch- uh, Chief Terrence Terry Monaghan is chief of the department of the New York City Police. And uh, in this uh, position, he supervises uniformed police commanders. To put it simply, he is the highest-ranking uniformed officer in the NYPD. Chief Monaghan, an honor to have you here at JM in the AM. Good morning. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here. I appreciate that. We're just back from Pittsburgh, as you know. Tell me how proud you are of your colleagues in Pittsburgh and, frankly, those from New York and other areas who assisted and and were running into the building to help save lives last Shabbos morning. I know uh, Chief Scott Schubert very well. I was actually at a training thing with him not that long ago. He's an excellent man. The men and women in Pittsburgh, what they did, they do what law enforcement does around the country. They run towards the danger to save lives, and that's what they did. I couldn't, prouder, couldn't be prouder to be a cop uh, knowing what they did that day. And here in this city, uh, as soon as that incident occurred, we knew we had to react because it's important for us to make sure people feel safe, that people can go go and worship in peace and not have a fear that something is going to happen. So we, we assigned officers out immediately. 
to every synagogue around the city. Uh, we put heavy weapons at, at some of them. But we wanted everyone to understand that they can go and they can worship. In this city, we're going to make sure that they stay safe and that they feel comfortable walking into a synagogue. So as we go into Shabbat again this weekend, we'll have coverage out there. Everyone should feel safe going in. Everyone should know that they can practice their religion no matter what it is in safety and security. Uh, Chief Monahan is with us. I thank you for that. You know, we I'm, I'm a Manhattan resident, as you know, and we, we felt that security and added security last uh, Shabbos afternoon. And as you just indicated, thank God we'll feel it again uh, tonight and tomorrow. Uh, in addition to the pride um, in which you, which you take in your colleagues out in Pittsburgh, we should also note that the NYPD is at the forefront of so many of these exercises and and training drills and, and procedures uh, that are practiced over and over and over and that you guys pray will never have to be used. Absolutely. Listen, it's something that we do. We've adjusted. We have to look at what goes around the world. Uh, that's why we have so many more heavy weapon teams out there. We saw what happened in France uh, a few years back. So we put heavy weapon guys out throughout the city that can respond immediately. We hope that we never have to run in for an active shooter, but we train. All of our personnel have been trained in active shooters. We know that there is no time to wait. We have to do exactly what they did in Pittsburgh, go in and run towards a gunfire. Chief, is there a, uh, a message to the synagogue presidents, to the rabbis in both our city and around the country, because as you know, people all over are listening to this show right now. Is there a message, a general message about safety and security that you can that you can give the leaders of our religious institutions as they try to move forward and protect everybody as best as possible? That law enforcement is always going to be there, working hand in hand with everyone to make sure that they remain safe. Don't don't live in fear. There is no reason to be feared. Don't let one person who did an act of terror influence the way that you're going to worship, make you fear worshiping. Do about what you do. Do Go about your lives the way you normally would, and just be assured that the police department is going to be there. Does the NYPD want to see our institutions step up a little bit when it comes to security? Do you want to see us, I don't know, implement... Uh, either new innovations or or things that, frankly, have not been implemented yet in synagogues and schools around the city? You may. We always have to relook how we do our security. And we'll work hand-in-hand with you to take a look at each and every synagogue or school and see what needs to be done. We should always be cognizant that stuff could happen, but we should never live in fear. And we always got to try and change. As a police agency, we change daily. We look at what happens, and we have to come up with new ways of policing. So same thing with the synagogues. Always reevaluate your security. Uh, we're there to assist you in that reevaluation. But, again, never let fear take over. Chief, um, Chief Monahan is with us, highest-ranking uniformed officer in the New York City Police Department. Um, I know you can't speak officially for your colleagues around the country. But as you just told us, the, the pride that you have in your colleagues in Pittsburgh, do you have confidence in your colleagues around the United States that it's not only the NYPD that's going to step up things this Shabbos, but in the aftermath of what happened in Pittsburgh, the likelihood is that all your colleagues around the country are going to be paying extra careful attention to what's happening in synagogues starting tonight? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I know many of the chiefs around the country, and they're tremendous individuals, and we all have the same focus. You know, whether it's New York, whether it's L.A., whether it's Chicago or anywhere in this, in this country, our job, our mission in law enforcement is to keep people safe. And I'm sure they will be out there throughout the country ensuring that people can worship uh, in safety. Uh, Chief, not, not to get too emotional, frankly, but you know that uh, both in our tradition, in our heritage, and in other faiths' heritages as well, uh, there have been governments, the majority of them, one might argue, uh, that have discouraged freedom of religion and have cracked down when one tries uh, to observe uh, uh, something that the government doesn't approve of. Here, you know it's the exact opposite. And I must take this opportunity to thank you and all your colleagues, not just for being there to help protect the freedom of religion, but taking this job to the nth degree. Uh, as you mentioned, running into the building, putting your life in front of our lives. And frankly, in our history, the history of the Jewish people, it is rare that that's ever been done. So I say to you and to all the men and women that you command, God bless you and thank you. And tonight, when we head to synagogue here in Manhattan, and I'm sure in a lot of other areas in this country, we will be thinking of you and thanking the men and women you work with. Thank you very much, and we will be there for you, and we'll be always be there for you. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful Shabbos, Chief. You too. And Thank a, you. And a peaceful one and a safe one. Chief Terrence Monahan. he is the highest-ranking uniformed officer in the New York City Police Department, appointed by Commissioner O'Neill. Uh, this is the position Commissioner O'Neill held until he was commissioner. And um, I bless him, and I bless all of his colleagues, all of his officers, um, you heard the message. It, it's it, it's unfathomable. If our ancestors heard the highest-ranking police officer in the most major city in the world say what the chief just said, they would never believe it. Thank God we are in a place and surrounded by amazing people who are protecting us and who will sacrifice literally, and I mean this literally, we saw this last Shabbos, are literally ready to sacrifice their lives for us. And we thank them for that. And we should not forget that as we go to shul tonight and as we go to shul tomorrow all around the country. Thank these amazing officers. Yesterday, as you saw in the video, we had an opportunity to thank the officers in Pittsburgh. Uh, they were overwhelmed with the reaction from our community around the country. And, and it's still not enough. We still have to continue to thank them and, and all the police departments around this country. And, and my thanks to Shalom Eisner. I asked him earlier, and he knows everybody in the police department, and I asked him earlier in the week, I said, who would be an amazing representative to reassure our people that this is going to be a safe and secure Shabbos, please God. And he, of course, pointed to a Chief Monahan, and I thank him very much. Friday morning broadcast, plenty more coming up. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas Chaye Sarah, with candle lighting at 531 on this Erev Shabbos. Shabbat Chevron. A lot of people heading to Chevron. If you're among them, thanks for tuning in. And enjoy Shabbat Chevron. It's amazing. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Kislev, Thursday and Friday. And don't forget that Tuesday is election day and a very important election day. And we'll talk about that. Daylight savings time is over. Standard time begins tomorrow night. Standard time will begin tomorrow night. We'll be back to a seven-hour difference between New York and Israel. So please keep that in mind. More coming up at JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, candle lighting 531. Going to be much earlier next week. We go to standard time. Don't forget tomorrow night. It'll, we'll again have a, um, a, a seven-hour difference between us and uh, our brethren in Israel. This coming Sunday, starting at 7.30 p.m. at Congregation Keter Torah, which is on Romer Avenue in Teaneck, New Jersey. It is a free event that's uh, brought to you by... Um, that's brought to you, um, oh, now I see what's going on, okay. Um, okay, this coming Sunday at Congregation Kenter Torah, there's a community education event. There we go. It's called Addiction and Substance Abuse, Understanding the Landscape and Its Impact on Us. Um, the event is presented by Communities Confronting Substance Abuse in partnership with some 
wonderful organizations, including the RCBC, NCSY, and all the area yeshiva day schools and high schools. It is um, unnecessary, likely, for me to emphasize how important this event is for our community, but we will do so nonetheless, and we will ask ETL Foreman, who has been outspoken on this topic, both as a parent and as a community leader, to join us live via telephone with a few words about Sunday night's program. ETL Foreman, shalom. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Shalom. Good morning, Nachum. Thanks for having me. uh, A pleasure. Um, Addiction and substance abuse. There are people, there are parents in our community who may not realize how serious a topic this is, but as you've been making the rounds, giving some presentations, following closely as different events happen, you've seen hundreds and hundreds of parents gather, and uh, and that would indicate that there are a lot of people out there who do understand how critical a topic this is in our community. Uh, it, what was amazing to us is after our first uh, awareness event in April, the dozens of families that called us saying, yes, we too have someone within our family suffering from addiction, and, and literally the hundreds of people who were able to reach out uh, and get help for, for their struggles. Uh, this is a, an issue which is critical to our community. It's unbelievable, and we should say that it is community-wide. As you've become more and more familiar, this is not something limited to any segment in the community or people of a certain background. This is really across the board, right? Absolutely. Uh, it is a disease like all other diseases, and uh, people who suffer from this disease don't don't choose the disease. Unfortunately, the disease chooses them, and, and it, is, uh, it is pervasive throughout every community, unfortunately. All right. There's a free event, as we said, this coming Sunday night, beginning at 730. It's Congregation Keter Torah on Romer Avenue in Teaneck. It's called Addiction and Substance Abuse, Understanding the Landscape and Its Impact on Us. Okay, from the title, we, we get what the topic is. But give us what people will really learn on Sunday night, especially those who are really not familiar at this point. They're probably wondering if this is for them. What could you tell them about what they'll gain from Sunday night's get-together? So we've got a fantastic panel, including a uh, a special agent from the Drug Enforcement Administration. Uh, We have a prevention expert from the Center of Alcohol and Drug Resources, as well as an addiction psychiatrist. Um, a local rabbi and uh, a head of school, a local high school. And uh, we've been asking the community to send in questions in advance of the event, uh, and the questions we've received have been phenomenal. Almost 50 questions have come in through our website and through our email. Uh, and the questions range everything from, um, you know, is it true that, that uh, our teenagers can buy bags of heroin 10 minutes away from Bergen County for $3 to $5 a bag, um, which is true. Uh, all the way to um, how do I talk to an addict um, if I think somebody has a problem, what can I do, um, all the way through community responses and responsibility um, for this issue, broadly speaking. Um, so it's, it's really a broad set of questions around community issues, school issues, uh, as well as what's going on in drug trafficking and prevention throughout the area. Unbelievable. A scary topic. And you, and you, of course, as a parent, are familiar with this. You've made that known. But all the people on the panel, they really come from different angles. They come from different you know, points of knowledge when it comes to this topic. So everyone's getting a real comprehensive look at the entire situation. That was our goal, was really to provide um, a perspective from, from different angles for the community. Um, and really, it is an event that will be productive and helpful for everyone from people who unfortunately are, are suffering with this with a family member, all the way to people who might never have encountered this issue but understand that their children are reaching the age where this becomes a real issue uh, for, for their children's uh, um, contemporaries. And by the way, uh, on a very, very serious note, if someone is in a situation like this as a parent, 
we, we should tell them not only should they come for this evening, for this coming Sunday night, but you and others will be available to them to just, you know, hear their situation and guide them properly from this point forward. Absolutely. Um, we have, uh, as I said, fielded calls from dozens of, of people since we've been outspoken on this issue, and we have resources we can direct people to. Um, there are, thank God, uh, tremendous resources uh, within the Jewish community and outside the Jewish community, frankly, to deal with these issues, um, and we're happy to direct people to those resources. They get the help they need. All right, Teaneck, New Jersey, everybody's welcome. This coming Sunday starts at 730 at Congregation Keter Torah, 600 Romer Avenue in Teaneck. It's a community education event, and it's entitled Addiction and Substance Abuse, Understanding the Landscape and Its Impact on Us. Many great sponsors and organizations involved. Everybody out there uh, should go. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, a free event. Uh, it's certainly, if this is something that you think affects your own family, make sure to be there. But in general, it's a wonderful opportunity to be educated about a very important topic. ETL Foreman, God bless you and your family. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and good luck on Sunday night. Thank you. Have a great Shabbos Nachum. Thanks so much for your help. A pleasure. Friday morning broadcast, JM in the AM. A reminder uh, from one of our listeners as we change the clock tomorrow night, please, Nachum, remind people to check their smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors when they move the clock. Don't just push the test button. You must check the manufacturer's date, usually on the back of the detectors. The fire uh, services recommend replacing your detectors every 7 to 10 years. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, candle lighting 531. Thursday and Friday will be Rosh Chodesh Kislev. Thursday and Friday, special hello to those who are on their way to Hebron. We have listeners as we speak who are on their way to Hebron for Shabbat Chaye Sarah. And don't forget this Tuesday is election day. This Tuesday is election day, and we know how important this election is. Make sure to go out and vote and be part of the process again Tuesday is election day, and it's an important, a very important day to go out and vote. It's JM in the AM, and this is Mordechai Shapiro.
J.M. in the A.M. with Yehuda Solomon. That's Vishamru, of course. Friday morning broadcast on this era of Shabbos Parshas Chaye Sarah with a big hello to those who are heading to Hebron as we speak. Candle lighting at 531. Much earlier next week, because we switch back to a standard time, we'll get back to the seven-hour difference between us and Israel starting tomorrow night. But for this week, it's 531 candle lighting in New York. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Kislev Thursday and Friday. Don't forget, Tuesday is Election Day. And I'm sure Malcolm Holmline is going to remind us at some point in our conversation about how important it is to go out and vote no matter what state you live in. So Tuesday is Election Day. And again, we'll remind everybody as we get closer and closer to make sure to set aside time on Tuesday uh, to vote. We are back from Pittsburgh. I thank everybody for their reaction to our show from uh, Shari Torah in Pittsburgh yesterday. We tried to convey a uh, sense of solidarity, of brotherhood, of unity with our brothers and sisters there as part of our Jewish Unity Initiative in the aftermath of the massacre last Shabbos. And uh, again, I thank those who've reacted uh, in a very positive fashion. A big thank you to both uh, Hafter and Yeshivat Noam, who used us as messengers uh, with their posters and cards and thank you notes to the police officers of the Pittsburgh Police Department. Um, weekly update is next. Thanking our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. If you want thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world to print out before Shabbos, go to JewishWorldReview.com, and they can actually serve that purpose, no doubt. And uh, a big thank you to uh, OnlySimchas.com, continually uh, utilizing our content and a whole bunch of great content from around the world with wonderful stories about the Jewish world. Check out their news feed on a daily basis, and that is uh, OnlySimchas.com. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the um, weekly update on this Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good to be with you, Nachum. I appreciate that. Uh, what is your opening message to the Jewish world in light of the uh, massacre in the Pittsburgh Shul uh, this past Shabbos? You know, it's quite amazing as you were talking. I was thinking about the fact that it feels like we just hung up on last Friday, and then the horrendous news came, and I went to Pittsburgh on on Sunday already, and I was at the vigil, the big vigil that they had, an incredible event and really a, a ray of light within the darkness when you saw the people of every faith, ethnicity, race, 
come together, when they called on the clergy, I mean, scores of them marched up from imams to ministers to um, um, Greek Orthodox, everybody. and the, the crowd itself, and thousands of people waited outside in the rain. And there were hundreds of such vigils across the country um, as well. So, you know, it is a, it is same. And I saw it at the synagogue, and we saw young people, children, bringing flowers and laying them there. And, uh, I mean, people clearly were not Jewish, and people came up, and they were just hugging anybody they could find. Mm. Uh, it, it's, it was remarkable, and I'm sure you saw it. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say this. This ended up being one of our big themes. It's incredible. I mean, look, you're a Pennsylvania boy, but but nonetheless not from that area, but I'm sure you're very familiar with Squirrel Hill. It's incredible uh, what kind of neighborhood it is and how historically everyone has been so diverse and gets along so well. And as you know, it's a really geographically tight-knit neighborhood. It's not like there's a lot of space for people to be all over the place. People are- well, there are beautiful homes there. It's it's quite uh, quite large in, in much of it. Uh, I, and I used to go there regularly. I had an aunt who lived there, not just five, two minutes, five minutes from the synagogue, Um and uh, so we were there a lot, and of course I visited Pittsburgh since then. It's it's a wonderful community in general, and the um, uh, the yeshivas there, the kolel is located in Squirrel Hill. But uh, I think if there's one message to take away, one is that it, it's a tragedy that we have to have such a horrible event to bring people together, mm. both within our community and outside. I think it's disgraceful how people try to exploit any difference, any word, anything for to, to re-divide. So glad you said that. I think it's uh, imperative that we put more emphasis on rooting out the anti-Semitism in the, in, in the Internet, the hatred on the Internet. There has to be ways. There are programs where you can identify uh, people engaged in, in, in fomenting violence, in encouraging violence, in instructing to violence. Uh, that has to be dealt with. And I think it's a, a singular message to our community is that it, this can't dissipate when the funerals stop. If we don't sustain this effort, meaning security, security, security in every institution, in every community, these are it's a deterrent. It's not a prevention. It's deterrence. But deterrence can save lives. You know, we trained through SCAN, the Secure Community Network, which I've spoken about before and which is available to everybody, everybody. Go to senus.org. You can call up the Secure Community Network. Any institution, anybody has a problem, we can. Uh, they can help. They do training. They've done online training uh, where hundreds of, of uh, principals and others participated. Uh, but in that synagogue, when they did the exercise, they found that the fire doors weren't working. It was through those fire doors that were fixed then that people escaped. Wow. And that the rabbi knew what to do because they did a lone shooter exercise. And it's something you don't have time to think of when it happened. So every school should be having it. And again, I'm going to push this idea, which for 10 years I've tried to, and that is that every school, when you sign your child up, you agree to one day guard duty at the school so that you are outside. And you, if parents are outside and you have schools with you know, 500 children, you don't have to do more than one day. And and if you can do two days, it's great. If you have to do if a half a day, it's fine also uh, if you have enough children. But having three, four people outside at every entrance because a parent knows who belongs and who doesn't belong more than a security guard would. Wow. 
a, a uniform guard, fine. But cameras do not cost a lot. And we have to press the government for more money in this program. You know, we, we get $25,000 grants for, for institutions uh, across the country. And, uh, and I think that right now is the right time to enhance any program that will and any effort that will uh, enable us on every front and and you know somebody questioned me a reporter why why I said about the anti-Semitism law it doesn't address white nationalists no it defined it goes after anti-Semitism and whatever the source and I don't care if they're right or left Republican Democrat we have to go after everybody we have some Republican congressmen right now we have problems with we have certainly Democratic congressmen the the Farrakhan or David Duke it doesn't matter. We have to hold them to account, and if they're not clear in their condemnations, if they don't stand up, you know, Hamas and and the PA both issued statements on Pittsburgh, you know, but I don't want words. I want actions, and I want them to translate those commitments and those words into deeds, and not to do it just, you know, for the while the cameras are still hot and the camera and the and the spotlight is shown on on it. And you're hoping to get a picture and, and something that they can send back. It's really imperative, and we, we should build on the dynamic. It reminds us of the importance of building coalitions, and that means at the local level and at the state oh. level and the federal level. And to to we are going to work to reestablish a, an international network of all the Jewish security agencies, uh, and uh, hopefully we'll have uh, enhance the work of SCAN and. Uh, Everybody can help make a difference. And whether you decide that, you know, people should be trained with guns or not guns, I mean, you have to be careful with it. But every option should be considered. Um, okay, you, you've hit on so many themes that I want to ask you about. First of all, I mean, the, the, the outrage of the PA releasing a statement, and the Hamas even more so, obviously. I mean, I, I, it just... It, it, the hypocrisy. It's, it's a level of chutzpah, frankly, that is... Is, is usually unheard of, but they have the ability and the nerve to go ahead and do it. Um, the I hold look. I hold the New York Times responsible. You know they're the leaders in many areas of news, as you know. Unfortunately, uh, this whole issue of of highlighting the divisiveness in the Jewish world and Malcolm, the 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 joke of how they describe divisiveness. This this silly issue about whether people refer to it as a synagogue and Naftali Bennett, what right he has to come here because of his conflict with immigrants in Tel Aviv. The whole if you examine the the the, the things that they're that they're uh, uh, per, that they are proclaiming are dividing us. These are silly again, I'm not saying they're not important issues, but that they're silly issues compared to the big picture. And the New York Times makes a massive deal about this, and everyone follows their lead. It's not just the New York Times. I think you are right about them. But, um, I mean, all the media and, and the specific reference, and we should say it, that the, the allegations which started in Israel, that the chief rabbi refused to call in synagogue, and, and, and when the truth is, the exact opposite. Rabbi Billup called to my attention the, the, the interview, and it turns out, and he did a translation which led to retractions, and I have to say, I have to credit JTA, the Ford, others at least admitted that they were wrong. He, and if you read the interview, he did the exact opposite. He said, what's the difference what kind it is? These were Jews. It's the only place they were praying there. Torahs there. You know, he was putting down the difference, and they tried to portray it. And you know that it caused 
immense pain in, in Pittsburgh everywhere. Everybody was coming up to me and yep. so upset about it. I said, look, I, I'm not going to come. They asked me for a comment and stuff. And I said, no, I, I have to hear what he said. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't do it with anybody until I know what they actually said. And the, the, um, so you're absolutely right about it, and, and it's not just the Times. I think it's, it's uh, the, the media's rush to anything that they can sustain the attention. It's like, you know, when a storm is coming, how they hype it and hype it, and all of a sudden, you know, we'll get a drizzle. Um, it doesn't mean you don't warn people if you think that a storm is coming, and we have been warning, and we've been trying to get people alerted and aware of it. We certainly haven't shied away from talking about the rise in anti-Semitic incidents, but to blame individual leaders, to, to, to divert attention, it's, it's horrific. And Bennett's presence, it was a spontaneous reaction as part to come in the same way that, God forbid, when there's a terrible incident in, in Israel, we often get on a plane and go just to show solidarity, to show support. Yep. And I spent time with him there. He, he, he was not at all the way it was portrayed. He spoke very nicely and was well-received at the, uh, at the ceremony, at the uh, vigil. Um, and uh, and he did not look to, to just exploit. He met with people. He met with the government. We met with the congressman. I met the, with the governor. We saw others when we came there. And the community, I called the community before I would go. I asked them. And they told us, please do come. Said, you know, and they announced us at their vigil. They couldn't have been more accommodating. And we didn't want to burden them. So we, we just, you know, went with the flow. We didn't ask them to, to do anything special for us. But you show unity at a moment like that. So the criticism of Bennett, of others, Mr. Herzog is coming now, the head of the Jewish agency, this weekend to Pittsburgh. They won't criticize it, but because they can politicize anything, then we see that that they exploit it. If I could be both philosophical and practical for a moment, um, we had Chief Monaghan on just about a half hour ago, and he was reassuring both New Yorkers and because he does represent, in a way, colleagues around the country— uh, really, everybody in the United States, that police forces are obviously going to be <clears throat> very aware of uh, synagogue services and services of all faiths taking place uh, this weekend. And, of course, we thank them. Um, but the I, I mention this because of the public official response. You know, if you, again, philosophical for a second, and we should stop and think about this for a moment. If you told some of our ancestors that public officials would speak the way the mayor of Pittsburgh did, the way the governor of Pennsylvania did, the way the chief of police did this morning about protecting Jewish citizens and going beyond the call of duty to not only, of course, protect us, but put their lives in front of our lives, many of our ancestors would find it very hard to believe. And I think that that has to be acknowledged that we are living in a unique place with an amazing advantage that we could take of the freedom of religion. And as we go to shul tonight, we should keep that in mind. You know what? It's it's a very important point, and it does tell you why America is unique uh, you know, we've had tragedies in Europe. People spoke out, they condemn, but never the kind of broad reaction that the Steelers put a, a mug and dove in on their logo <laughs> right. or in uniform or the the, or the president, the, the senators who came there, other leaders, religious leaders of every kind and, and events everywhere were overflowing. Uh, I saw the pictures of Washington in 24 hours, 5,000 people here, everywhere there was. And Chief Moynihan is a really unique individual. I have great respect for him and admiration for him. And he's somebody who's sensitive to this. He's, you know, he he is a New Yorker. He knows, he knows our community, he knows New York. And uh, his word should be taken seriously because...
because of the copycat phenomenon. We know that there were acts of desecration around the country over the last few days. Uh, thank God no assaults that I know of, but it's inevitable. One of once our, I'm sorry. this cat is let out of bag, I mean, we're going to have a trial with this guy. We're going to have other things that uh, will come up uh, as uh, hopefully law enforcement goes after those responsible for the Internet incitement that, that we have to stay vigilant and realize that it can happen anywhere. Uh, and, of course, you're you're uh, alluding to Beth Jacob in California, Brooklyn, New York, and other places that have had incidents that you just described over right. the last few days. Um, two notes about synagogues. I mean, look, you, and I know you said this earlier in this conversation, but just to reiterate, you've been preaching this, at least on this show, for almost a quarter of a century. And that is how vi- vigilant rabbis and presidents of our synagogues and schools have to be in this area, and there's no doubt this is going to be a wake-up call. We, we, we know what has happened in the past. You know, two, three months, people are very vigilant, and then things t- tend to slack off. There could be no slacking off at this point in this country. Because, and it's not going to get better. It's, it's, we have to understand that it's, uh, it's endemic. That's why we fight BDS, because it is anti-Semitism, and it cites violence on our campuses and creates an atmosphere uh, in, in the community at large and in the American society, we have to fight those who, you know, if a Farrakhan appears and we have and calls us termites, there has to be universal condemnation, and especially from those who have been associated with them in the same way. We would expect it of anybody if, if uh, it, you know, if somebody equivalent in the Jewish community would say something like that, you can be sure they would be isolated and condemned and, and worse. And the the uh, standard has to be a universal one, and it has to be applied. And also about synagogues, you know, our colleagues, our friends, our relatives in Israel are correct that, you know, unfortunately, the, the, these things happen even more regularly uh, uh, there where people, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately become victims of terror attacks. Uh, but there's something about our history of synagogues being used to trap and murder Jews. And we know that uh, that this is a... Uh, this is something that's uh, you know a, a glaring part of our history in in many different generations in many different centuries, and I think one of the last things we ever expected, especially in the diaspora and especially in the U.S., is that again in 2018 a synagogue would be used to trap and murder Jews in a massacre like this in a synagogue, and I think that that's what gave this an extra level of sensitivity and fear and for many you know recollections of world war ii and other periods of time you're absolutely right and one of the things and we can have forestall a lot of questions to you if people wrote me from all over the world how come you don't have government guards how in australia in south africa in europe they pay for guards outside the synagogues well for one thing you know it would mean that you'd have to put guards outside virtually every institution second you know, I, I looked into programs. I think I discussed this on the air years ago when I came back from Britain. I learned that they put film, a special film, inside the windows of every institution, synagogue, schools, because if there's an explosion, it's the glass that shatters that causes the damage. And, you know, they did it, but it cost them a few million dollars. When we want to try to do it here, it would cost hundreds of millions of dollars. We have more schools in Borough Park than they have in, in many countries. And so the cost of, of – and because of the scale – of instituting kind of, uh, you know, asking government, the police department, put a policeman in front of every shul, every day, every shop, every day that there's a minion. That's impossible. 
And the, the standards here are, are, are different. The traditions here are different. They're not going to bring the National Guard to stand in front of every yeshiva. But that's why we have to do our part and supplement it and make it possible then that the presence of a uniformed police officer at times and others will be at least at, at sufficient to protect our institutions. You know, so it's, you know, it's a different circumstance. It's very easy for people to, to yell, put a guard in every place. And yeah. they, but they've got to think about it. the costs that are entailed. I agree that there's no value on a human life that is matched. So whatever it costs we should do, guards can be hired. But, you know, we, we have different circumstances. People said, you know, in Europe, the Israelis train, uh, help train young people. They're not allowed to do it here. There's an agreement between the countries. So SCAN does it. Others have uh, programs. We have the volunteer CSS program. We have other uh, institutional investments. We have organizations that really focus on monitoring anti-Semitism and making recommendations. And and Congress has been very good in enacting legislation, the definition of anti-Semitism, which people will say, why do you care? Everybody knows what it is. No, if you don't have a legal standard, you can't measure against it. And especially holding universities to account when anti-Semitism manifests and they don't do anything about it. Uh, and it's interesting you say this about the um, uh, trying to have a police police officer at every service. When we were visiting with the Pittsburgh Police Department yesterday, they said to us, you know, for every special event, we are there at the synagogue. For any event going on, we're there. And I think that that was what he was alluding to, that it's impossible to do it on a you know regular daily basis. But obviously when there's a high-profile event going on, you know, the, the cops are there to serve. And uh, we've got to keep this in mind that we can't expect, as you just pointed out, the government to take care of all of this, especially three times a day, seven days a week. So everybody has to step up and become more vigilant in this area. If there's one lesson uh, to learn from this episode, it is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com and the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. So no doubt you're uh, aboard with the show up for Shabbat uh, a hashtag for tonight and for tomorrow. You'd like to see the synagogues full. Let's take full advantage of this amazing country and the freedom of religion that we enjoy here. And it, and it would be a, as we say all the time when it comes to terror attacks, it would be a a strong, defiant message of strength for people to be in shul tomorrow. And every shul should be overflowing. And if uh, others want to stand outside and show solidarity or not Jewish, I think all of those things are are uh, valid expressions. And would, should be welcome. There are many programs. There's one that wants a moment of silence tomorrow at 9:45, and I told them, you know, that's in the middle of davening. <laughs> They're never going to get silence at all the shows. They're all busy talking. They're not going to have a moment of silence. But, uh, but seriously, I think they, all of these ideas of of showing that we don't succumb to the fear and to the terrorists and to the haters, that we we be defiant by by showing that we're going to do even more. And I think that is an important message. It's amazing how the collective Jewish heart aches worldwide when things like this happen. For that, we should be very proud. I frankly. wish you could see the letters I received from so many places in the world. And, of course, because we rally to them whenever there's a terrible thing. And, you know, we, we visit them. We, we try to be supportive of communities that, that need it. And this was their chance, I think, to really say, and it wasn't saying, oh, you see, you two are, are victims. It was to say, you know, we are with you too. Oh, and by the way, Rabbi Wasserman reminded us that the rabbi of the synagogue where the attack took place is, is an Orthodox man and that he was convinced by his own security officials and the police to have a phone in shul 
on Shabbos to use. And, of course, he ends up being the first one to call 911 and to get the cops there as soon as possible. So we should keep that in mind. And I mentioned yesterday, it may have been off the air, that if, in fact, rabbis start to keep phones in their stender, and I know that this is happening in a lot of places now where rabbis you know, have it within an arm's length distance, make sure the phone is on. Do not leave time for the phone to be turned on. Make sure it's on the entire Shabbos, and if, God forbid, it's necessary, you have it at the ready. And uh, as we know, the moment you call police, obviously the situation can change uh, drastically. And panic buttons are right. another way, you know, that if they're placed appropriately, that uh, an emergency alert uh, can be sent. You know, there are people who are saying that we should have guns in every synagogue. And a friend of mine told me, he said, but don't give it to the rabbi because he'll start shooting everybody who's talking <laughs> during his sermon. A joke, of course, folks. A joke, of course. Yeah, of course. A joke. But, but uh, you know, there are steps that can be taken, as you said, not only keeping a phone uh, in, in or two in strategic places, and to have people trained, but in, in the shul, just to do a training, you go online, you can see how to do it. Because if you're not, if your reaction isn't instinctive, you don't have time to think. Remember in Connecticut, because the teachers didn't load Schooner trading, right. uh, training, they, they knew how to respond at the second and put everybody in a closet yeah. and lock the doors and, and things. So it's, you know, it's really life-saving. It's, it's incredibly important. And those who were saved this time around were in dark, secluded areas as well, and luckily, thank God, uh, they survived. All right, um, we, we know it's Election Day on Tuesday. You've, you've said many times over the last few weeks how critical this election is across the country, not that any election is not critical. <clears throat> and, um, you know, it's funny, you, you, you talked about getting involved. I, I just was made aware this week of a United States Congress member who had no interest in meeting with APAC, who had no interest in hearing why the Iran deal is bad, who had no, but because of the relationship that certain members of our community established with them, all of a sudden, a couple of years later, are willing to have these meetings and willing to consider you know, these types of themes and these types of issues. It takes time sometimes. You know, Election Day is going and vote, and of course we encourage that. But even afterwards, people have to realize if they sow the seeds and really get to know their elected officials, they can make a big difference. And there's a process of education Many of the members of Congress, I, I saw an interview with one who won by fluke and said very dangerous things to us, for us, for Israel. Uh, but when pressed by it, it finally said, I don't know anything about geopolitical things. I don't know. I didn't understand. I didn't know. You know, I, I meant settlements. I didn't mean Israel. I meant this. I meant that. So, number one, there's got to be a process of education. If somebody's going to be in the office, at least you've got to give them the benefit of the doubt that it's ignorance and not hate and, and mm -hmm. bias. Second, and if it is, in the end, you've got to identify it. And people have to look at the voting records and the statements of people who are running to know uh, how to vote. And sometimes a protest vote is important to send a message. And, um, and, and it can't be just the, the, this week. It has to be ongoing. And I, I credit some of the community groups like FJCC who, who, who have been meeting with them, and they, we encourage them to... Uh, to encourage the elected officials, it makes a difference. So we have to reach out to them if they're not reaching out to us. 100%, and those meetings are so much more effective than most people think. Uh, this Tuesday is Election Day. As I said, I will continue to remind people up until then how important it is to vote. And Malcolm, and you know a lot of people from different states listening right now, no matter what state they're in, they've got to make sure to show up at the polls on Tuesday. 100%, and no race is unimportant. Numbers count. The very fact that they see in Jewish areas that the turnout is big, is very important, and it, it'll affect the next election as well. 
And we have had candidates this time who do not want to meet with the Jewish community and who do not uh, um, uh, aren't receptive and haven't been receptive. And we we have to take note of that. And people should know and look into the voting records of everybody or the views because many of them are new. You know, we're going to have in Congress this time several, maybe half a dozen candidates, uh, elected officials who are hostile to to Israel. Now, some of them will change. Some of them have been slightly mislabeled. Some have already tried to tone down their their previous comments, uh, maybe because they did engage in dialogue or because people were able to talk to them about uh, the stance they took. But the overall, I think Congress will be strong, whether we have divided houses and how that will impact uh, many important pieces of legislation that are still pending, including the Anti-Semitism Awareness Act, the BDS legislation, et cetera. Oh, there's so many things. Congress is important. People yeah. think it's the, just the president. No, it is Congress where much of the legislation care about initiates. And the uh, so every congressional district counts, every state assembly, every city council, everything. You know that we're seeing now the BDS movement is moving to municipal a municipal front and off campus, and using the same systems that they organized for that to, to start to organize in uh, city councils, places like that. So everybody, every level of government is important, and we know that hostile groups have made a decision and are electing people as committee people, as uh, local offices, to local offices, because they know that they will move up in the system, as we are seeing this year already, emerging on a federal level. Right. Uh, all right, speaking of public officials, and I'll get criticized if I don't bring it up, um, I would think that if President Trump's predecessor was still president, I would encourage him and welcome him to go to Pittsburgh. Uh, I think the only proper response from anybody who cares in our community, and kudos to Rabbi Myers, by the way, for both his statements before and after the meeting with President Trump, I think the only response is that, yes, the President of the United States belongs in Pittsburgh in the aftermath of this massacre. I would assume you agree with that. I do agree with it, and I think the visit was executed well. I had real reservations. I was afraid of, uh, you know, the last thing you need now is something uh, that could have exploded, in, in, in not literally, but, uh, uh, you know, the big demonstrations that were uh, demonstrations. Uh, people have, are entitled to their uh, view and to be concerned and uh, about uh, uh, any individual, any elected person. But the fact that the president, the governor, the mayor across political lines yep. have been out there assertively uh, is really an important. Uh, it's an important message, and it's a message to the American people and to his supporters that the president is condemning it. Yeah, the as I said earlier, the public official response uh, to this uh, really, uh, really uh, got me. Um, it's very, very much heartwarming. Um, all right. Uh, speaking of elections, there are a couple other issues I want to get to before we completely run out of time. Uh, speaking of elections, so now, uh, well, we'll start with Beit Shemesh, where Dr. Aliza Block did win the election in Tel Aviv. Ron Holdai will now have a fifth term. Uh, in um, in Haifa, my cousin, who was uh, Yona Yahav, who was um, who was a mayor for 15 years, lost to Einat uh, Kalish Rotem, so she'll be the new mayor of Haifa. I jokingly, of course, when I was first told about that result, said fake news, but he's now no longer in office. And in Yerushalayim, it's Moshe Leon and Ofer Berkovich in the runoff. I guess the real the real question, or the only question um, that people have for you at this point, do, do you think this is a referendum 
on the prime minister that his candidate for a mayor of Jerusalem is not in the runoff? I, I think that goes too far. He, I was surprised that he campaigned with uh, Elkin, who is the minister for Jerusalem affairs and remains the minister for Jerusalem affairs, uh, and a good friend and guy who's been, we've worked with for many years, a capable guy. Uh, so is uh, Moshe Leon, and um, they were counting on that fact that uh, the Deutsch Haredi candidate was uh, would have had a broader appeal. And as he said, if all the orth- uh, the religious parties had united, because they split over who, who, who they were backing. Um, but the I, so I don't think that this is in my, my discussions with Israeli experts. They do not see it as a referendum. Um, uh, Elkins, people critical of Elkins' campaign about the way it was conducted. The um, there was huge investments in in these uh, races. I think the election in Haifa to me is very some uh, some uh, significant, and uh, that's not nobody says that's a referendum on Netanyahu. And you're if if he really is your cousin, oh he I, is. I've known Yona for fifty years. <laughs> he's amazing. My mother's first cousin, and uh, this he served I think three terms already, or this uh, yeah fifteen years right three fifteen terms. years yeah. so. Uh, that is, I think, an important uh, statement. I can't believe he never told you I'm his cousin. <laughs> he denied it. And and Huldayi, uh, who was also quite left, uh, you know, had more of a race than than they had anticipated. Uh, so I think that the, the, we there will be much more analysis about the, the, this, including the fact that you had a very big turnout. I think it was the biggest, you know, non-prime ministerial election turnout. Uh, and the people anticipate this year in an off-year election in America will will maybe a record turnout right. or near record. Well, and the speculation, and Cajon said it, you know, his prediction that now they will call, once this runoff ends on Tuesday, I believe it is in Yerushalayim, they, they will, Danielle will call for new elections. You think that's going to happen? Look, I think it's inevitable. It, it, it's going to be next year no matter what, right. uh, because the government's term runs out. But I, I think um, the general speculation uh, and if you had a bet, it would be March. Uh, they don't want to do it when in, in the winter, too much in the winter time, because uh, it holds people back. But and Netanyahu likes to do it in March, mm. so I think that that would be uh, all right. Uh, so we're reasonable. in we're in for four months of campaigning now. I better warm up my Eretz Nadarim. It's year-round in Israel. It's every day, yeah, that's every true. year, no matter what. i got to warm up my Eretz Nadarim channel because <laughs> they're going to be uh, spoofing this uh, campaign, I'm sure, for months at uh, at this time. Um, um, all right, so those are the results, and the Beit Shemesh one also significant, but uh, I don't think we need to go into detail, but everybody was, I guess, half the people were surprised and half the people weren't. Malcolm, finally, you mentioned Instagram, or at least social media. Uh, and yes, that battle's got to be fought, and it is becoming. And someone, I was sent an article this morning just about uh, Instagram itself. How it's becoming a haven for anti-Semitic photos and posts, etc. Uh, Twitter already, you know, I think everybody understands what kind of hateful uh, a forum that's become. So that battle has to be won, has to be fought and won. Uh, but what do you what do you say to people? And you and I have discussed boycotts, and I think as a general statement, I think we can agree that you, you most of the time you never really recommend. You know, full out boycotts. One individually wants to do something. That's you know, obviously their choice to do it. But what's the reaction to the Ben and Jerry thing? When when they when they pose with Linda Sarsour and they get the type of publicity that they get for this new flavor, what? Just tell us what our reaction should be. Look, their political orientation has been well known, and 
you know, many people have appeared with Linda Sassour. We've tried to educate them and get people to understand the, the stance that she takes, the views that she takes. And then individuals have to make a decision, you know, if they feel that they cannot support people who aid and abet those who, who are engaging in hostile comments and, and activities uh, across the board. It's it's not, you know, just one. It's it's There's many, and I think people have to react. We don't dismiss anything anymore. We cannot allow people to, to foment uh, anti-Israel feelings uh, and, uh, and lies and distortions uh, and just feel they can do it with impunity. And that, you know, you can be selective, you can, but those who rise up and defend these people at any cost, no matter what they say, no matter what they do, you know, I, I see it with the PA can issue edicts that, that it's high treason to sell property to a Jew, yep. and the, the, the Supreme Court rules on it, and the, I mean, the highest Muslim court, and you don't hear a word that this is is bigotry or racism or um uh, you know that that uh, anything comparable by Israel would would create a, a storm and would never happen in that way. So, people, we have to have zero tolerance for intolerance, and that's not just a phrase. I mean, that's got to really be the policy. And you see that a lot of barriers, especially when we talk about Israel coming down. You know, the prime minister is now meeting with in this group that uh, meets in Bulgaria, Romania, Serbia. First time a prime minister of Israel, Greece. Um, it, it participates. You see the uh, openness with which he's greeted in, in uh, on his recent trips all over in Africa, including Oman. And and I was going to say, and the big thing this week was the visit in Oman, uh, which is significant. And the fact that Atikva was played in Abu Dhabi at the Judo Grand Slam yeah. twice because we, Israel won two gold medals, right. and the people cheered and the people stood up for Atikva as they did for. Uh, uh, all the other national anthems, and last year that would not have been possible. It wasn't, in fact, not possible right. last year, and we pressed very hard for this when I visited UAE, etc., and they sent me a note before the Grand Slam began and said, any Israeli wins will be treated like everybody else. And kahaya, they did it. And the um, you know, we, and uh, you know, we're going to be tested with other things. You know, the new sanctions are going to come out probably today at, at 11 o'clock. Uh, the new sanctions against Iran, uh, and there could be, you know, reactions to that. And we have to be be aware, you know, that Iran is behind fomenting a lot of anti-Semitism around the world. A lot of these websites, uh, a, a lot of the activities, they have uh, instigators everywhere. And, you know, they focus, we focus on Russia's activities, but Iran's also using the Internet to destabilize here in America to foment intergroup hatred and uh, and racism, bigotry, uh, no, they're not exempt from it. And they have, you know, now in, in Denmark coming out and saying we have to take action to the, their European colleagues because there was a plot in Denmark by uh, Iranian, former Iranians living in Denmark, but tied to Iranian um, security to, to, to kill dissidents who are there, the Ahwaz uh, people. France, the same thing. And they're calling all of a sudden the same people who fought us on every aspect of the JCPOA. And, and there will be criticism of some of the sanctions because it doesn't deal enough with the SWIFT, which we've discussed, which is the banking in the network. Uh, I'm hopeful that those things will be strengthened later. But what they wanted to do was something now that, um, I mean, there were people in the government who advocated for it. Uh, John Bolton wanted tougher 
Mnuchin wanted uh, these exemptions for European countries, and certain countries got also on the purchase of oil. Uh, but overall, the impact will be very strong. The administration has already imposed sanctions on a lot of individuals and organizations, but that debate, you know, we will hear it, uh, and especially before the election, uh, as both sides, you know, try to, to, to capitalize on it. Uh, but we also have to remember the governments have to look at things uh, with a certain pragmatism, uh, uh, although I'm in favor of the toughest sanctions on Iran always, because it, it does make a difference. We see the changes inside Iran, the dissent. There were 6,000 economic demonstrations last year, meaning beyond the ethnic and other tensions, 6,000. You don't see that in the New York Times and reported. What is that, an average of 10 a day? 13 a day. That's unbelievable. And, and, it, and, and some days more. But the average is 13 demonstrations across the country every day. Uh, so the, the unrest, the destabilization of Iran is a huge factor, and it will limit, hopefully limit their ability. We see that Hezbollah, for instance, now has um, you know, blue boxes all over Lebanon to raise money, and it says you can be a partner with them you know, to, to, uh, but give. And believe me, I assure you, they don't give everybody such a choice about whether they give or not. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know, this is... Uh, uh, but there's a lot of resentment against their a- activities, and and, um, and and you know these are global phenomena. I saw a, a really remarkable decision um, uh, against New Zealand BDS activists. They have to pay for the the cancellation by uh, the singer Lord in Israel because they, they you know of their activities to to convince not to come. But, you know, we're dealing with so many aspects of of all of this all the time, and and it's up to each of us to keep the focus on it and especially talk to your kids about it over this Shabbos. They they saw the pictures. Explain to them what happened. Don't scare them. Don't, you know, it's not happening everywhere and to everybody. But with Kristallnacht's 80th anniversary coming up next Thursday, and it's completely different. That was government-organized. Right. We'll talk about it, I assume, next week. Yeah. But the 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 lesson that hatred, behold, darvodar, omdim aleinu, not omdu aleinu. It's now. It's every generation, and each generation learns from the past to meet the challenges now. Uh, show up for Shabbat, Malcolm. A peaceful, safe, and unified Shabbat for the entire Jewish world, especially for those who are still reeling in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. A lot of very important messages during this weekly update. Let's hope we internalize them and put them into practice as best as possible, especially during this very important Shabbat. Friday morning broadcast on this era of Shabbos, Parshas Chaye Sarah. Best regards to our friends in Hebron who are getting ready for the historic Shabbat Chaye Sarah. It is amazing. Uh, those of us who've had the opportunity to be there and to uh, participate, it really is remarkable. It's a Friday morning with candle lighting at 531. We will change the clock tomorrow night. The clock will allow us to now get back to a seven-hour difference between New York and Israel. It'll be seven hours once we change back to standard time tomorrow night. Well, Ben Shoshodesh Kislev, Shoshodesh Kislev will be on Thursday and Friday. And again, a reminder that Tuesday is Election Day. Don't forget uh, that uh, following JM in the AM, Naomi Nachman with a great edition of Table for Two coming up. 
Uh, then it'll be Mark Zamek in the Arab Shabbos show presented by Kedem. Harry Rothenberg with the video blog on Chaye Sarah coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern time. After that, it's our incredible Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix. Tomorrow night, it's Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. And, of course, Sunday morning, Matis Weingas, who got all of this started with Ari Wasserman on Sunday morning post the tragedy in Pittsburgh last Shabbos. Matis with a brand-new, fresh edition of JM Sunday between 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern time here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Monday, of course, we return, and I hope you'll be with us on Monday morning. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Chaye Sora. Parshas Chaye Sora can be conveniently divided into three parts. The first 20 psukim of the parsha deal with Avraham's acquisition of a burial place for Sarah. The second 67 psukim in the parsha deal with Eliezer acquiring a wife for Yitzchak. And the important thing for each of us to look for in finding a spouse. And that is, as the Drushos Aran points out, good character, a giving person, as opposed to a taking person. And finally, the Parsha ends with the passing of Avram. I'd like to focus on an aspect coming from the very first part of the Parsha, Avram's acquiring a grave for Sarah. Now, after all, First of all, we see the way the people of B'nai Ches venerate, honor Avraham. As Hashem said to him in the beginning of Lech Lecha, Vagadlo Shemecha, I'll make your name great. We see over here already that the people of B'nai Ches refer to Avraham Avinu as Nesi Elokim that you are literally a prince of God in our midst. They recognize that he is a holy people. So Avram comes to them and says, Look here, I need a place to bury my wife. And they say to him, No problem. Go to our cemetery. Any grave that you would like is yours. And Avram says, Thanks, but no thanks. I must have my own cemetery. And this is the concept of Kever Yisrael, a Jewish cemetery, which we learn from Avram Avinu till this very day, that a Jew is to be buried, number one, in the ground, as opposed to chas v'shalom, cremation, and certainly, as well, above-ground burial is not an acceptable option for one who is following Jewish law. Now, I'd like to ask a very simple question. Why? Why is Avraham so insistent about this idea of having 
a Jewish cemetery, Kever Yisrael. And I'd like to suggest that a very important concept is emerging therefrom, and that is the Torah is teaching us that a Jew lives as a Jew, dies as a Jew, and there is continuation for that soul even after death, as we are taught in the Rambam, in his 13th principle of faith, Anima Min Bemuna Shlema, I believe with complete and perfect faith that there's going to be Tchias HaMesim, there's going to be the resurrection of the dead when God wills it to happen. So it's not simply that one could have thought, that's it, you're dead, makes a difference where you are, it's over. No, 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 it's not over. It's another phase, as indeed we'll come back to this. This is what Rav Yanai Yaakov teaches us. Rabbi Yaakov in the fourth chapter of Avos, in Perig Dalid, Mishnah Chafalev, this world, Domele Prozdor, is only the lobby Bifnei Ho'olam Haba, before the world to come. And therefore, says Rabbi Yaakov, Haskenat Smachaba Prozdor, prepare yourself in the lobby, Kedesha Kitones, Ki in order that you should be able to enter the banquet hall of Olam Haba. I'd like to, therefore, speak a little bit this morning about something that we don't usually talk about, and that is Olam Haba, the world to come, that we should have at least a strong, not just belief in the concept of the world to come, but to be able to talk a little bit intelligently in keeping with some of our chazal, some of our rabbis, and their teachings and statements on this topic. So the first thing that I'd like to share with you is the verse in Parshas Bechukosai, at the beginning of the parsha. Before the Tochacha, so the Torah gives us 13 verses of blessing in chapter 26 in Vayikra. And in Pasuk 12, the Torah says, V'shalachti b'sochachem, literally, and I will walk among you. V'oyisi lachem le'lokim, and I will be a God unto you. Now, what does that mean? I will walk among you. Bring the Rashi to the table. Vayikra 26, 12. Says Rashi, Atayel imochem beganeden. I will stroll. I will walk with you, says God to the Jewish people, in Ganeden, in the world to come. Ki'achad mikem. Literally, as one among you. Below to you, many, And you're not going to be Afraid of me? Yachol. However, lo tira umimeni. There will not be this awe and reverence of me. No, Talmud Lomar. Therefore, the verse continues, V'oyisi lochem le'lokim. I will be to you as a God. So this is a very significant verse 
whereby Rashi is telling us that this is what the literal verse is teaching us, that God is going to walk and accompany us in the world to come. Now, I'd like to ask a very basic question. If we believe, and we do, that there is a world to come, why is it that in the second paragraph of the Shema that the Jew recites twice a day, every morning and every night, so Hashem promises the Jewish people, and it shall be. If you're going to listen to my mitzvahs, then what am I going to give you? I'm going to give you the rain in its proper time, the early rains, the late rains, and I'm going to give you your the ability to gather in your grain. You're going to ospecha digonecha, tiroshcha v'yitzharecha, your wine, your oil. Wait a minute. And this question that I'm asking now, indeed, is asked by the Rambam in chapter 9 of Hilchos Tshuva. The Rambam says, wait a minute. If the greatest bliss that awaits man, the greatest reward, as we're told at the very beginning of Mesilas Yesharim, as we're told uh, a moment ago in Pirkei Ovos, if the greatest reward is the world to come, why not write in the Torah, if you keep my laws, you're going to go and get a share in the world to come. And if you don't, you won't. Why does the Torah speak in terms of grain, wine, oil, and giving um, grass in your fields for your cattle? What's going on here? So the Rambam gives a very powerful answer. The Rambam says you should know how to read the second paragraph of the Shema. You have to read not just the lines, but you have to read in between the lines as well. Now, what does that mean? You have to understand that when the Torah promises that man is going to have prosperity, the reason for this is he will then be able to observe mitzvot. He'll be able to do chesed. He'll be able to do for others. And by doing the mitzvot, chesed, and for others, by serving God and serving man, he'll be able to earn his share in the world to come. If, however, he is constantly eking out his livelihood, bringing bread on the table for himself and his family, he will not have the opportunity to accrue and acquire the mitzvos and masim tovim that you need, which are your, quote, ticket for the world to come. For indeed, that same chapter in Pirkei Ovos teaches us, Rabbi Yaakov, in the 22nd Mishnah of the fourth parak, he would say, better one hour of repentance and good deeds in this world, whereby you, through your good deeds, you acquire your share in the world to come, 
and better one hour afterwards of spiritual bliss in the world to come than the entire life of this world. So is there a world to come? Most definitively, yes. The question is, one more time, why the Torah doesn't mention it. So the Rambam in chapter 9 of Hilchos Tshuva gives one answer. The Kleokor, in his commentary on the Pasuk that I cited before, of this Halachti B'Sochachem, whereby God promises He will walk amongst us, and Rashi told us He will walk with us in Gan Eden. The Kleokor gives several reasons why the Torah does not specify Gan Eden specifically. And he goes on to say the following, that the Eben Ezra in Parshas Ha'azinu taught that the Torah is given to all of Israel, and most people will not understand what Olam Haba is. And therefore, since we are Gashmi, we are materialistic, it will be difficult for us to understand Inyan Horuchani, that which is completely spiritual, because the Rambam in chapter 8 of Hilchos Tshuva tells us that the good that's rewarded for the Tzadikim in Olam Abba is a the life she'en moves. There's no death there, and the good which has no bad with it. And this is how he understands the verse in the Torah, written in conjunction with Shiluah Chakan, sending the mother bird away. The Torah says, Laman yitavlach, it shall be good for you if you listen to God's commandments. Le'olam shekulo tov. That refers to the world which is all good, and yomim, you will be blessed with longevity. Olam shekulo aruch. This is referring to olam haba. So the Rambam, who is the rationalist par excellence, understands this verse in the Torah to refer to olam haba. The Kliyoko continues and says that the. Just as the Torah speaks in terms of kores, the punishment for somebody who breaks certain laws, and kores means one is cut off from the world to come, then the opposite is that the natural thing will be that one who keeps the laws will go and the soul will return to its natural source, namely to God, and man will have olam haba. I mention this because this is appropriate for our parsha. Avram Avinu wants kever Yisrael, because a Jew, as I mentioned, lives and dies as a Jew. But I also want to make mention of this on behalf of the eleven kedoshim, the eleven individuals that tragically were gunned down this past Shabbat in Pittsburgh, the first thing we should know is, as the Rambam teaches, 
that if one dies because they are a Jew, singled out, as in this case here, as a Jew, that is dying al-Kiddush Hashem, dying in a form of sanctifying God's name. And as a result, a person who undergoes this kinds of death does go, number one, to Olam Haba. But aside from that, I think we should be aware that this terrible tragedy effected, number one, an arousal of great Ahavas Yisrael, a true concern of one Jew for another, which ideally we should have all the time. The Arizal says, before we pray in the morning, a Jew should say, I take upon myself the mitzvah of to love one another. We were all so deeply pained and still are bringing us in this unity. This tragedy brought out positively a outcry against anti-Semitism by so many of the politicians. And again, this is something positive. So if we can only decompartmentalize Lo'aleinu for the eleven, the Kedoshim, and as we said in that same paragraph, that same parak of Pirkei Avos, Mishnah 19, Rabbi Yanai says, in Biyodeinu, we don't understand, we don't know. Lo mishavas horishoim, we don't know, and we can't explain, neither nor the tranquility of the wicked, the af lo mi hatzadikim, nor the suffering of the righteous. So we can't explain that which Moshe couldn't explain. Tzadik v'ralo, Rasha v'tavlo. But one thing we can say, that this terrible tragedy brought us together, and please God, we should be brought together for good and happy occasions, and not tragedies, and these 11 Kedoshim, they are in Olam Haba. Shabbat Shalom to all. J.M. and the A.M., my thanks, Rabbi Yudin. Wow. Amazing and incredible words on this Erev Shabbos, an Erev Shabbos that we are encouraging everybody to show up for Shabbat, to be there tonight, to be there uh Tomorrow in shul, nationwide, everywhere. My thanks to Chief Monahan of the NYPD for joining us in the 7 o'clock hour to reassure us about security for this Shabbos, really nationwide, not just in New York. And I thank all those who have reacted to our visit to Pittsburgh and the message of solidarity, unity, and brotherhood that we were able to bring and transmit to the world. J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning, final minutes of our J.M. and the A.M. broadcast with candlelighting at 5.31 in New York. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh Kislev, Thursday and Friday's Rosh Chodesh Kislev. Again, Tuesday is Election Day. Do your best to get to the polls Tuesday. It's important, and we explained why. Peter Burkowski, who has spoken with us countless times right before the New York City Marathon, is with us live via telephone this coming Sunday. The New York City Marathon will be run, and the Minion the official minion or minyanim, we'll find out in a minute, that uh, takes place uh, at the marathon or right before the race is obviously dedicated to our brothers and sisters from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. 
Peter Burkowski, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Uh, a few things I want to talk about this morning. First, uh, even though there are about 50,000 runners in this year's marathon, it's still very difficult to get into this event. And one of the easiest ways to get in is to run on a charity team. Right. Where you pledge a certain, to raise a certain amount of money for that charity, and they right. grant you one of their team's reserved slots. Right. So in addition to being a tremendous boon to the New York City economy, the marathon is also the vehicle for raising millions of dollars for charities. No and among the many charity teams this year are seven Jewish-oriented teams. Um, one of them is Friendship Circle International. You may know this story. Uh, Friendship Circle has a chapter in Crown Heights. A young woman in Crown Heights named Shandy Dahan, a wife and a mother, began running with the Friendship Circle team there a few years ago. She ran her first race with their team in the Miami Half Marathon three years ago. Then she ran a couple of marathons. And two months ago, she ran the Berlin Marathon, a major world event, right before Yom Kippur. And as she crossed the finish line under the Brandenburg Gate, she pulls out from under her jersey an Israeli flag and hoists it over her head. And there's this dramatic photo of this beaming young woman wearing a white New York Yankees hat running with the flag of Israel in the epicenter of what was not too long ago the capital of Hitler's Germany. Yep. Her story was featured in an article entitled A Significant Place, A Significant Race uh, by Lori Samlin Miller in last week's Olam Yehudi, which I think is the weekly magazine of the Jewish press. Shandy will be running with Friendship Circle on Sunday, and uh, we're hoping she'll come by to Dobbin with us. Phenomenal. When did the Minyanim start? Uh, first one will be 7 o'clock. Second, our service is now such an institution at the marathon. Our venue, our venue is the only religious service noted on the marathon's official staging ground site map. Nice. Thousands of runners will walk past our huge tent on their way to the starting line. We're right there for everybody to see. Our walls are transparent. Many stop to take pictures. And this year, of course, we'll have a large banner on the side of the tent proclaiming that we stand and pray in solidarity with our brothers and sisters in Pittsburgh. Such and a our push collection this year will go to the Jewish Federation of Greater Pittsburgh. Third, most important logistically, we will not be transporting personal religious articles to fill in place and sedurum from Fort Wadsworth to the finish area. We'll have an ample supply of tefillin and sedurum of all types. Uh, several reasons for this change I won't get into, but we've driven to get the word out about this in advance. Oh, this and is really this is not, this is really important. This is really important. They're going to be okay. they're going to be runners showing up with Tallis and filling on Sunday. Well, we we really uh, we really have been getting the word out and um, there is a backup plan in an emergency if somebody does bring to fill in, uh, we can always take it to Brooklyn uh, and they can pick it up there. Got it. Now the last thing I want to mention is we do claim to be the longest established religious service of any kind at any major sporting event anywhere in the world. <laughs> so I decided this year to submit that fact to the Guinness Book of World Records in England. And they received the application, and six weeks later, they rejected it without explanation. Interesting. Yeah, you can draw your own conclusions. But the <laughs> conclusion I draw is that we really are what we claim to be. Very Do you cool. agree? Very cool. It certainly has, this has been a source of pride for the Jewish world for a long time. The New York... You know what? A source of pride for the New York City Marathon and the New York Roadrunners Club. They are so proud of us. Yeah. And it's a joy to work with them. And their founder, Fred LeBeau of Blessed Memory, loved the Minion, and his family is extremely pleased that it continues. 
And uh, and it should be noted, every Sunday New York City Marathon, first Sunday in November, they've got Minyanim. Uh, right. the, it used to be one minion, now it's more. That's happening at the Fort Wadsworth in Staten Island. We wish all the runners good luck and continue the Kiddush Hashem. And, of course, this year dedicated to our brothers and sisters in Pittsburgh. Makes it even more special. I'm sure thousands of runners will come by to pay their own memorial tribute to our brothers and sisters before the race. Peter Burkowski, good luck on Sunday, and thanks so much for joining us. Nachum Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Show up for Shabbat, everybody, as we get set to uh, remember our brothers and sisters in Pittsburgh this Shabbos as a, a unified community. Uh, no matter what your shul is doing, whether it's special prayers or a mention or a speech or a kiddish, whatever the, whatever forum your shul is taking to remember our brothers and sisters this Shabbos. Thank you. Thank you for doing so, and let us keep the message of unity, solidarity, and brotherhood going. Uh, Tuesday's Election Day. Make sure to vote. Make sure to vote, no matter where you are in this country. Change the clock tomorrow night. We go back to standard time. It'll be a seven-hour difference again between us here in New York and Israel. And, of course, it's Shabbos Chevron. Shabbat Chevron is an extra special Shabbat. And we say hi to everybody in Chevron on this Arab Shabbat, Parashat Chaye Sarah. More coming up. It's JM in the AM. Amazing. The one and only Rav Shlomo Kalbach. Well, ladies and gentlemen, somebody who you know from the Jewish Unity Initiative and someone who you know as a major listener and fan of what we do here at the Nahum Siegel Network. And today, he is a correspondent for us as he has already entered the city of Hebron for this very special Shabbat. 
I refer, of course, to Dr. Joe Rosazada. Dr. Joe, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum. Thank you. Thank you so much. Tell me what it's like. What's going on in Hebron? It's, it's really, as usual, it's unbelievable. There are tents. There's little tents. There's big <laughs> tents. There's a big tent for 5,000 people that are going to be eating there. It's like the, really the ruach here is unbelievable, especially this year. As you know, they, they have opened up about 32 houses. So it's really unbelievable. The excitement is there. Um, I just saw actually one of the, you know, our big Lieberman was in like, like putting announcements everywhere here. So it's unbelievable. The excitement is, is in the air. Joe Rosazada and Chevron. Joe, have they shown you the tent where you're going to be sleeping tonight? Well, I'm not going to be at the tent. I'm going to be at Belaya, actually. So, which is really amazing. I'm really going to be right next. Uh, like right now, we're walking towards it. We're going to be at Belaya, which is right next to Narada Machtor. So, I'm very, very excited. One of the first time. Usually, I say Akiradava, but this time, uh, you know, Bachsham, we're at Belaya. The uh, the number of people that will be uh, davening in or next to Maratamach Pelat tonight is probably going to be twenty twenty five thousand. We're talking here about a Shabbat of unity because of what happened last Shabbat in the Shul in Pittsburgh. Are you feeling the unity, the solidarity, the brotherhood? Are you already feeling it on erev Shabbat in Chevron? Hundred percent. You know, there are Hasidim, there are, there are everybody, everybody is Haredi, not Haredi. Everybody is like. You know, they're barbecuing, we're getting ready for Shabbat, the smell of the barbecue is there, it's, it's like unbelievable. <laughs> and have you seen the students, Joe, have you seen the American students, uh, many of whom, hundreds of whom, are going to be in Hebron for Shabbat? Yes, yes, TABC kids uh, are here, Woo! and yeah, there are a lot, a lot, really, it's like, very excited, everybody is very, 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 very uh, looking forward to do whatever, you know, like to be together and davening with uh, our grandparents. Well, you've given us a great message on this uh, just before Shabbat Chayi Sarah is about to begin in Hebron. Enjoy Shabbat. Enjoy all the thousands of people. Have a peaceful and wonderful Shabbat. Hebron means chibor. It means togetherness. And you get to experience one of the best Shabbat tot ever. Todah Rabbah Joe. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Shabbat Shalom to you. Dr. Joe Rosazada, he's there. Erev Shabbat Hebron in Hebron on this Parashat Chayi Sarah. How all of us wish we could be there, but all of us hopefully will feel the togetherness this Shabbat, the solidarity and brotherhood as we enter the first Shabbat after the Shul massacre from Pittsburgh last Shabbat. Time to say good Shabbos in peace, harmony, and security at JM and the AM. Sun is going down, it's shining through the trees. Another week's gone by, become a memory. So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift It's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good Shabbos Cause all your work is done I'm gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine. Man and his creator, it's a very special sign. Your candles will be burning, they'll fill your home with light. Singing songs of Shabbos 
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSegal.com. On the NachumSegal Network and, of course, in the beloved NSN app. I thank all of you. I thank all of you for uh, tuning in. I thank all of you for uh, entrusting us to represent the uh, the Jewish world in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania yesterday and to deliver a message of solidarity and hope and brotherhood and uh, togetherness. To our brothers and sisters in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, big, big, big thank you to Rabbi Wasserman. Big, big thank you to the Butler family. Big thank you to everybody in Pittsburgh for being so hospitable and amazing. We wish them a safe, peaceful, restful Shabbat. And uh, to all of us around the world, make sure to spend Shabbat in shul. As the hashtag goes, show up for Shabbat. And tonight and tomorrow, as you notice, our... um, police officers protecting our synagogues and us make sure to thank them today by the way is Balfour day if you don't know why that's important in modern Jewish history either google it or ask your teacher on this over 100 years celebration of Balfour day uh Naomi Nachman's next table for two from there we go to our uh, Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem Plenty more until candle lighting tomorrow night. Avrami with Saturday Night Siegel and Matis live 7 a.m. Sunday morning with JM Sunday. Have a wonderful Shabbos, a great weekend. Till Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.